Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Uh, Acts chapter 16 is where you are today. Acts chapter 16. This is going to be probably one of the most challenging sermons you're going to hear in a while. When I say challenge, it's going to be hard to listen to. Because I can tell you this, the enemy's going to do everything he can to keep you from getting today what we're going to talk about because we're going to expose his kingdom. And the one thing Satan enjoys is he enjoys being the prince of darkness. And because he, everything he does is done under, under wraps, he doesn't want it to be exposed because if his kingdom ever becomes exposed, the people of God will recognize that they have authority over it through Jesus Christ. And so he's going to do, you're going to probably get notifications on your phone. Maybe you just need to mute your notifications right now. You're going to think of everything you need to do. Your husband is all of a sudden going to make you mad for no reason, just sitting right next to you. But I'm going to tell you to give him grace today because he's going, you're going to need it for the next 30 minutes. This is about five or six sermons condensed into one. And so we're just going to plow through it. If you don't mind, we're going to read the entire chapter I mean, just because it, it'll give you the perspective of the story of what's happening here. So I'm reading out the New King James Version, if you'd like to follow along. Verse number 1, Acts chapter 16. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Corth. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So Paul's journey begins to change, change here and shift. When they had gone through Phrygia in the, in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They had come to Mysia, and they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Macedonia... It was the beginning of the gospel going to Europe. Verse 11, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. A certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. This is where it gets interesting. Now it happened as we went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. I like this part. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out, out of her. And he came, he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. 
They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men are being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude arose up together against them without a trial, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanding them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. And this is where it gets good. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. Their backs were open, were bleeding in the inner prison, having that particular day just been through a riot, and, and they were listening, and prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. He called for a light, ran in, tell, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he said the greatest thing you could ever say, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the, his house, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes. He and his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But what I like about Paul is he was like, No, nah, you're not getting off that easy. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans because they had wrongfully accused Roman citizens without a trial, and they were just trying to just sweep this under the rug. And Paul said, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. You come yourself and tell me to go. In verse 39, they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, this word is powerful. It's anointed. Now take it and make it alive and living on the heart of each person. I pray through the preaching of the word, God, this anointed, powerful word is going to come and do what you had intended it to do, and that is to water the souls of men. And so I just prayed the help from heaven to, to preach it and do justice to the word. And so, God, for all this, we thank you and help to expose Satan's kingdom and the victory that we have over it today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now, if you look through this story as we, if we read it, the part that we wanted to highlight is you know the story that Paul had come to Philippi because he was going somewhere else and Bob, God changed his direction. And so when God changed the direction, there was a reason behind it because we know that Philippi was in Macedonia. Macedonia was in what we call Europe today. So this was the first church that was ever going to be established in Europe. It's important to me and you because you and I heard the gospel and it came from Europe. The reason that once the, the gospel went to Macedonia, it spread all through Europe, spread to England. They came from England to the United States of America. They began to preach the gospel in the United States of America. And through the generations, you and I heard it. So everything started in this little story right here. And I like the fact that the, the, this thing was, they were delivered by the power of praise. 
that they begin to pray and worship God, then God begin to stir and shake things. But before we get into that, I, I want to just narrow down to Acts chapter 16, verse number 16. And it says there was a girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination. That spirit of divination is the only place it's written about in the Bible. If you translate that word into its original text, the word of divination means python. So it was a spirit of python. And that helps us to understand about this particular spirit because as we dive into this today, we're going to recognize that there's some tendencies about an actual python that happened in this particular spirit. And then you're going to see that in the world today. The devil doesn't have new tricks, y'all. He just does the same old things. But let me tell you something. God don't have any new tricks either. The devil does the same things he did years ago, and God does as well. So this particular python spirit, as we recognize that it caused her to be basically, just in our modern terms, a fortune teller. She would tell people things that, that were inspired by the devil, but they would tell things that helped people to understand the future, what was going on in the world. Nothing more than what a, f- a fortune teller does today. But as we, do, as we recognize all that, and it helps us to understand that the battle that you and I are faced in today is not a, not a, not a battle of nature. We're not What we see in the world today, what we see in our homes, in our churches, in our community today is not really what's going on because there's, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. There are spiritual forces that are going, things that are happening in a world that we cannot see that's dictating what's happening in this world. You ever ask, wonder the question, ask the question, why do people act like they do? Why do groups of people act like they do? Can I tell you there's a real, very real God and there's a very real devil? And the God's the side you want to be on, and the devil's the side you don't want to be on. But God is maneuvering and manipulating things to, for his glory and his kingdom, and Satan's doing everything he can to stop it. And this is going on to unseen eyes. We see it in this particular passage here. This particular python, it's of the constrictor group of snakes. And the way they kill their prey is they wrap themselves around the prey, and they begin to squeeze First, now, they're not a venomous snake. They'll still bite. But the bite was really kind of to stun their prey, but then they'll wrap themselves around it, and then slowly they'll begin to tighten. And eventually what happens is they, they begin to literally take the breath away out of their prey until the prey suffocates to death. And so what we see here is we recognize that that python is something that God used to help us to understand this particular spirit, that it takes the, tries to squeeze the life out of a believer tries to squeeze the breath out of people, tries, tries to squeeze out the faith and strength and vision and hope from its victim. And it's the Spirit used throughout the ages to, to try to get people away from God. And if he, can't say, if he can't take us to hell, he wants to squeeze out the life of Jesus in our hearts and our life. That's what he tried to do from the very beginning right here. Remember the little girl said, look, these are men of the Most High God teaching you the way of salvation. She didn't necessarily mind that they got saved. She just didn't want an active, vital church in Philippi. So from the very beginning, she was going to try to squeeze out the vitality, the spiritual vitality in that particular church. Some would say, is that just, is that, it's just in churches? Listen, we understand this, that there are forces that are trying to squeeze out life among nations, squeeze out life among family, squeeze, squeeze out life among believers, squeeze out life about everything where God puts his hand. If you remember, four, three or four years ago, there was a, a, a movement over a man who was um, attacked by police. His name was George Floyd. And you remember, the, you watched the horrible thing as the police officer put his Uh, his leg on the man's neck, and and he said these words, I can't breathe. 
And then what happened is that began to, people began to wave that as a banner. I can't breathe. Once again, we see that, that movement. We see that spirit trying to choke the life out of a man and out of people. And he, that's how he does it. He squeezes the life out. And then just a little bit before after that, something else happened called COVID. And once again, the way COVID works is it begins to move in a, in a person's lungs and it begins to get them to where they can't breathe and it begins to suck the life out of them. So we see that this spirit, not as just in a, in a church level, but it's on a national level as well. And what you'll find in nations where God's moving, that the enemy tries to come in and squeeze out every bit of God's vitality in it. And the way he does it is by squeezing and suffocating the life out of it. But it says this, a certain woman named Lydia, verse 4, seller of purple of the city, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended in the things which were spoken by Paul. When she was baptized in her, host, in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house, abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, a spirit of python, met us, which brought her masters much gain by, by soothsaying. What we notice is, the, see the time that the spirit came to attack that, that group of people. When they were going to prayer. Because, see, the thing is, there's something that's, that's an explosion when people get together to pray. Something happens when you and I gather together and, and we combine forces to believe and, and look to God. And that's when that particular spirit came. Can I tell you this? The thing is, is that of all the things that happen in a church, the one thing that will get attacked the most is the prayer meeting. I was in a, not here, but church we pastored, we had an incident where something really just could have blown up and, and really caused harm to the church, the community. And in this particular day, I, I called the board members of our church, the board members of our church, and I said, hey, can we just gather on like an off night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, can't remember which one it was, but be that as it may, I said, can we just get together and pray? And they were all, yeah, yeah, we'll get together and pray. That particular night, there was two people at this prayer meeting, myself and Miss Leanne. And I'm not faulting the board. I'm just telling you this. When prayer meetings happen, all of a sudden something begins to happen, and people just don't show up. Why is that? Because there's something trying to squeeze the life out of the church. Something's trying to come and suffocate it and take the vitality off. And he knows this. If he can attack the prayer meeting, he can attack the whole structure. Listen, I'm on a mission. I decided this. I'm on a mission to bring the prayer meeting back to the church in America. That's, 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 that's our mission. I, here's the thing. We've got, we've got, in church, we've got all kinds of meetings, don't we? we? We've got a preaching meeting. The preaching meeting is called a series now, where we preach several different sermons for a particular topic. Nothing wrong with pre preaching meetings, but that's what it is. We've got the praise meeting. Some churches, they don't have church on Sunday night, so they gather together. They call it a night of worship, and in that night of worship, they begin to praise God. Nothing wrong with that. We've got eating meetings. You don't have to have a reason to have an eating meeting in church. You just go ahead and sign, sign, have people sign up and come. And we have lots of those. We have missions meetings. We call them missions conventions. That's where we bring our missionaries, and we need that, and, and we let the, give them an opportunity to tell what they're doing. But of all the meetings we have at church, the one that needs to come back is the prayer meeting. The one that needs to be restored and reestablished is the prayer meeting because it's our lifeblood. It's the time when we come to God and ask God to do what only he can do and shake what he can only shake and unchain what only he can unchain. And when we come together and begin to pray, wonderful things happen, and the devil knows that too. So the prayer meeting is when they got attacked. And we also see this python spirit as you look here. 
One of its main tactics is to cause fear, depression, anxiety, and hopelessness into the church, into the believer. Let me say it again. That spirit purpose is to bring fear and depression and anxiety and hopelessness. Do you might get that during this whole COVID thing? Was the world in a state of fear? Was, did you watch the riots and have anxiety about it and have hopelessness about our country or about people? But that's his job. And look at verse 22. The multitude rose up together against them. Magistrates ran off their clothes, commanded them to beat them. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Not only did they do that, but they threw them into the inner, into the inner room of the jail. But the thing is, is you know what that enemy was trying to do? He was trying to get Paul and Silas to just give in to fear. Man, this is over for you guys. Man, your back's uh, laid open. They're going to come get you tomorrow, probably put you to death. And I'm sure that he tried everything he could to get fear and anxiety into the hearts of those men. But the good news is, is that God's people have got a weapon. God's people have some resources that God's given us to be able to turn that thing around, not just back then, but we can turn it around again today. We do it every time we get together. One of those things is every time we get together, somebody's in need, somebody's sick, somebody needs a touch from God, and we do what? We lay hands and we, we pray on them. And things begin to shake and things begin to turn. The other resource God's given us, the other ammunition is that of praise. Every single time, Pat and Darlin, Alyssa, and all of our worship team begin to get up here and sing and lead us, you think we're just singing songs. But the devil knows that's the very thing that's going to cause the hand of God to begin to move and open doors that nobody else can open. People around the world, they just think, oh, that's nice. Them church people, oh, they just sing those nice little songs and they rhyme and things like that. They just don't know. They just don't know. Things begin to change when we begin to praise and, and worship God. We see this as well, that greed begins to partner with this spirit of python. Greed. Everything was going pretty good until these certain men lost their side hustle. They used this lady who was, used demonic power to, uh, to, to, to predict the future, not really know the future, but to predict the future. And once they recognized that, that that side hustle was over, that's when they got mad. And the thing about this spirit of Python, its purpose is to make money off of it. And that's the reason that fear is so powerful today, because you can make money off of fear. If you get the headlines, don't do it right now. I guarantee you somewhere in there, there's something that's been designed to instill fear in you. Man, the economy's off the charts. It's going, it's going straight down the toilet. You need to do something. It's supposed to instill fear in us. There's these crazy people somewhere over in some part of the world that are doing drugs. There's war going on in the world. It's horrible. It's terrible. And I'm not negating any of those things that are happening. But can I tell you, the reason that they're put it there on the front page is because they want to instill fear in me and you. On the front page, they're probably not going to tell about the, the young man who walked the little old lady across the street. Not going to tell you the good stuff that happens. They're going to try to tell you something that will instill fear. If you go down this road here, take a left on 107, there's a new little convenience store up on the right. How many have seen it? It's called Lucky 107. Yes, yes. The guy in there is from California. And so one day I just stopped in there and struck up a conversation with him. And he was telling me, and he's from Los Angeles, and they moved here because things are not like they used to be in, in Los Angeles. And so I asked him that question. I said, 
are things like they really talk about on the news in, in Los Angeles, you know, homelessness, drug addiction, people just walking into stores stealing stuff. I mean, just nobody's stopping them, and, and the, um, the courts won't prosecute at a certain level, so it just gives a green light to people to, to, um, to steal and rob and things like that. He said, absolutely. He said, and the worst thing is the corruption. He said, he pointed to a room. He said, a room like that? He said, it's $1,400 a month to rent it. He said, you know who owns the rooms, the houses in California, Los Angeles? He said, the politicians. He said, they don't care the fact that people are robbing and stealing as long as they rob and steal to get the rent to pay their rent to them. And anywhere you find the gospel is not being preached, friends, you're going to find corruption. People are, are, are doing things just for money. Verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by fortune telling. And when the master saw that the hope of the gains was gone, honey, that's when it broke loose. When they recognized that their money was being attacked. If you don't like political comments from preachers, just pause right now. It's beyond me how, minister, how people go into public office and when they go into public office, they're lower or middle class. And when they come out of public office, they're enriched. It's beyond me to, to how that happens. I'm not all about people who, who work hard and, and just on capitalism, they take risks. And as they take risks, they invest money with the hopes that there'll be a gain. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when people begin to be corrupt to gain money. That's a problem. Next here, a couple more things about this python spirit. It creates a mob mentality that strikes anything that threatens it. It, it creates this rioting mentality, this mob mentality. It says this, verse 22, and the multitude rose up. A couple guys lost their side hustle to one woman, and the next thing you know, the whole city's come out and waving their uh, fists at these, these men who've come into town. They were actually new people who came into town. And yet there's this mob, there's this riot. If you ask people who've been involved in those things, why, do, why, do, why was this riot, why was this mob that took place? After, after the fact, they'll usually tell you, I don't even really know why. We saw this during this time we just talked about, but we saw people rioting on behalf of that, and they were burning their own neighbor's businesses down. And that makes no sense. They were talking about defunding the police. Can you imagine to stop paying the people who serve and protect us every single day? I mean, you, you drive down the road, there's a, somebody's in a ditch, and there's a police officer right there get down there in the water trying to get somebody's car out of the ditch. Can you imagine not paying those people to serve us and protect us? Doesn't make any sense. I love the video. It's kind of funny. They were showing people who were, had signs, and they were, they were signs said to defund the police. And they were sitting on a street corner, and they were throwing rocks at cars. Did you see it? And a guy comes back, and they throw a rock at his car, and he stops and gets out, and the guy's huge. He starts walking towards them. And remember what they said? Call 911! Hurry, call 911! I love it. Another modern-day mob mentality is this cancel culture. We're going to collectively attack you if you don't agree with what we say. We're going to collectively come against you. We're going to call you all kinds of names. We're justified because you don't agree with us. Now we can call you names and ostracize you just because you don't think like we think. Listen, it's that same spirit. It's nothing new under the sun, y'all. That same spirit of pythons trying to create a mob mentality to come against the people of God and the work of God. But the good news is that the solid answer to this problem is the church of Jesus Christ.
The answer to this problem is me and you. The answer right now is right across across this nation, there are people who are gathered together just like us, who are praying just like us, who are worshiping God just like us, and the thing is, is we are the answer to all the problems that we face, just like in our story today. Lastly, if you look again, that this, this spirit causes class warfare. It says in our story, it says these men who are Jews are teaching us things that we don't agree with, and us being Romans aren't allowed to follow. So we recognize that they begin to identify groups of people. One of the oldest tricks of this particular python spirit is it begins to place people in groups and then attack that group of people. Hitler mastered this in, in, in Germany, Nazi Germany. I got this group of people, and they're the, they're the chosen race, and I got this group of people. We need to shun them and put, push them aside. And you see the exact same thing happening in our culture today. We label everybody but whatever group they fit into. If you're gay, you're part of the gays. If you're straight, you're part of the straight group. If you're Christian, you're part of the Christian group. If you're, if you're, if you're this particular political affiliation, you're part of this group. And what's happened is all of a sudden we begin to attack one another based on the group that we're involved in. Friend, don't get, don't get sidetracked. That's just this uh, python spirit showing its flexing its wings again. Don't think that the, the, the thing is, is that anything's news happening under the sun. God is still moving and still going to change when people all of a sudden take up their authority that he's given, given them and use it. Don't, don't get, feel like this is like a, kind of like a bummer sermon because there's hope in this because in this story there was great hope. In the midst of the python, there's the church. In the midst of the python, there's a body of believers. In the midst of a python, there's some spirit-filled, faith-filled people that know how to fight this battle, not with weapons of guns, but with weapons of spiritual nature. Power is in what we do and in the spiritual forces that we use. Because the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to pray. And I miss that. All these years, I thought they just got together and worshiped God. And that's how I've heard it preached, right? They got together and began to sing, but I missed that part. But they were praying and they were praising. And I've heard it preached like this, that maybe Paul was sitting there, and they were probably kind of quiet because of all they'd been through that particular day. Silas was right next to him. And I've heard it said that, that, that Paul began to also, the Spirit of God began to move upon Paul, broken and beaten, and all of a sudden he said, Hey, Silas. Hey, Silas. And Silas is over here, and he's about half dead because he's been beaten so mad. He's like, what? He says, Silas, remember that new hymn we heard in church last week? Remember that new song, Darla Led Us Through? Let's sing it right now. And I believe Silas' response was, do what? That song we heard, that song about Jesus and, and all he's done for us, let's, let's sing that song. I think it was a song about heaven. I think it was a song about the glory. And all of a sudden, they begin to sing, and Silas jumps, Silas jumps in. And then they get to praise in God, and then you know how it starts. You just begin to sing to God, and then all of a sudden, you begin to worship God and praise God, and it just kind of takes over you. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes you just start singing in church, and you're singing words, but then something begins to take over as you're singing, and it becomes a body, a total body experience. You begin to sing, and all of a sudden, you just feel it down in here, and your hands begin to raise, and your feet begin to jump up and down, and you begin to thank God, and before you know it, you're shouting at the top of your lungs, hallelujah, praise God. I think that's what happened with them. And I think as it got to the place where they were worshiping God, maybe shouting out loud, I think God said, okay, now it's time. i got to do something. 
They got no reason to worship, no reason to praise except me, and now they're shouting at the top of the lungs, I'm going to go down there and do something. And I think God just did like that. And when he did like that, all of a sudden the earth began to shake. When he did like that, all of a sudden chains began to fall off because God heard his people praise in the midst of Python, in the midst of prosecution, and a mighty miracle took place. What's it going to take for us, Pastor Kerry, to get through this season we're in? It's going to take what we've been doing all these years. It's going to be taking, doing what we do every single week to pray and to praise God. Listen, friend, there may come a time where you don't have anything else. It may not just be a group of people, but there may be a time in your own life where you need a breakthrough. Things just aren't working. You can't seem to you feel like there's hands that are pressed against you that can't let you go any further. In those times of, of life, can I tell you, God's given us some tools to use. So you may see the person in church next to you. In this particular day, man, their hands are raised. They're praising God at the top of their lungs. They may be doing a little jig like that. And you can't wonder what's wrong with them. Why are they acting like that? Friend, you may not recognize, but they're on a breakthrough path. And they need God to move on their behalf. And they've recognized that even in the times when I don't feel like it, when the times that I feel like I'm incarcerated, that's the ideal time to worship God. Give him my very best. Praise him with all I have. Because that's the key. That's the next step, the path to prison doors being open. This python spirit, it has to be stood against. Some people think if I just leave the devil alone, he'll just leave me alone. He won't. And I like what Paul says here. Teenagers say this word a lot. He got annoyed. He got aggravated. It wasn't the first time. She, I mean, she, apparently over and over, day after day, she'd come and say, these men are the men of the most high God. They come to teach us the way of salvation. And finally, at some point, he just got fed up. He got tired of it. And what did he do? He turned around, said, in Jesus' name, come out, and guess what? He did. There'll come a day, you watch me, there'll come a day when the church in America will just get sick and tired. Collectively, we'll be tired of being pushed around. We'll be tired of being talked about. We'll be tired with the enemy taunting us day in and day out. And something will begin to change as we collectively gather together. I'm talking about from Maine down to Florida. I'm talking about in churches all across this nation. We'll get so annoyed. We'll get so tired. We'll get so fed up that something will begin to change. And we'll begin to praise God even when we don't see it. Even when our, when our candidate loses, we're still going to praise God. When they don't pass our bill, we'll still praise God. When we read what they're doing in, in different parts of the world, country, we'll still worship and praise God. And friend, the same thing that happened here is going to happen on that particular day. God's going to begin to stir. He's going to begin to shake. He's going to begin to transform and translate. He's going to begin to do things that nobody else could do and open doors that nobody else could open. He said, I am the same. That means if he did it back then for him, he'll do it today for us. If there's a fist fight between God and the devil, my money's on God every single time. If there's a battle between, between the forces of hell and the forces of heaven, get on the winning team, y'all. John Williams, police officer in Jacksonville. One day he was at precinct. Pearl, Charlie, you may know this story a little better than I do. If I tell it wrong, then just smile. So there was a guy in there, obviously, who was possessed. Some would say he was, you know, cracked out or something like that. He said, but he was cursing God, cursing the name of Jesus. And obviously talking to himself, mumbling to himself. And John said, I just begin to pray. And he was Pentecostal. He said, I just begin to pray under my breath there in the precinct in tongues. 
He said, and I didn't do it loud. Nobody could hear me. I just knew that there was a battle going on. And then anytime time there's a battle going on, the people of God got to rise up and, and pray. He said, and I began to pray, and all of a sudden that guy turned to me. He said he had wild, crazy eyes and pointed his finger, finger at me. He said, you stop doing that right now. He said, I, I knew I wasn't loud enough to where he heard me, but in the spirit, in the heavenly realm, Satan knew exactly what was going on. And he knew his kingdom was about to be defeated because somebody somewhere to grabbed hold of the altars and begin to pray and ask God to change the situation. That's what we need in Jacksonville again today. Some people of God that can call upon his name to pray and believe God and know that as they call upon his name, God will do the same thing again. and He'll change our land. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.